Welcome into the season preview edition of New Track Record. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you. Hello, Justin. Hello, Caleb. How are we doing? It's we're finally here, and we say finally despite you know starting as early as we have in recent memory. Yes, it, it doesn't feel like that we're finally here. It, it feels like we're we're here. here. Yes, I like think it, 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 it snuck up on us. I think how it's going to be is from after this weekend to race two at Texas. Wolf. It's going to feel like a long time. Well, because that's around the time we'd normally start everything. Yeah. And I mean, consider this between now and May 1st, there's only three races. Yeah, that's that's going to be a struggle. So, <laughs> at least we're getting we're wetting our appetite this weekend, but uh, it's still going to be. Uh, a couple months until we get into the prime of the season. So plenty to get to today on this 2022 NTT IndyCar series, all caps, season <laughs> preview edition. And we'll start with our uh, predictions. Also, we'll get into confirmation on Toyota from Roger Penske. Andretti to F1. Uh, there are more rumors and, and a lot more movement in that camp. Plus, uh Preview this uh, weekend's race, the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg, presented by RP Funding, and that RP is not Roger Pinsky, <laughs> just for clarification purposes. And with that, time for our 2022 IndyCar predictions. And, you know, I'm going to kind of use Nick Yeoman's template because he had a, a great tweet the other day, just kind of a, a preseason poll where you could respond. And we'll start with that and then add in a few other elements to our preseason predictions and and we'll start simply IndyCar champion. I think that's, that's the most logical starting point, right? So we'll start with IndyCar champion and I'm looking at my predictions that I made with uh, Nick Yeoman's poll just to be consistent. Yeah. Um, so who did you have for IndyCar champion? I had who you have. Yes. Pato award. Pato award. I, I, I think we saw the past two seasons, how, he is building that experience. He finally got a race win, won multiple races last year. And I think he is, I don't know if he's the favorite, but he's one of a very short list. I mean, you have Award, Herda, Newgarden, Dixon. You throw in Pelot, even though we haven't had a back-to-back champion, what, since Dario in 2010 and 2011? So I think that's kind of a tough ask, but I would say that's kind of the short list, right? Is there anyone that we're leaving off that could sneak into that category. I mean, here's the thing, Caleb, you know, going into 2022, I think we can all agree that there's a lot of drivers that are capable of winning a race, but I still think there's not a lot of drivers that are capable of competing for a series championship. And, and we're prefacing all of this to say that starting after this week, we will not be talking about the championship points. We may mention here, there, for instance, you know, the last three winners of the season opener have ended up winning the series champion, that stuff. But we are not going to dive in depth into points until after the Indianapolis 500. But that said, I feel like it's a short list in terms of competitors for the championship. Pato Award gets a couple wins last year, was in position to make a push there late, but, you know, struggled at Portland. Uh, Long Beach was, was bad for him. And he ended up finishing well behind in the points. But if you just go back to after gateway he was right there and and i feel he's ready to put a complete season together i feel like mclaren is ready to put a full season together and we all know the end game for pato award is formula one and what better way 
to head there with an IndyCar Series championship. Well, and you know, you can nitpick a race here or there, but you look at the Indy 500 for Pato. I mean, he was running in third, ends up finishing fourth because Simon Pagina was flying toward the end of that race, and there's a double points there. So that's a, actually a big swing uh, for that. But yeah, I, I think if he can learn to just take a car that is top five or top 10 and finish there, and the team can give him, you know, more consistent cars week in, week out. I don't see why he wouldn't be the favorite, I guess is how I look at it. I agree. I feel like, you know, the usual suspects are going to be up there. You look at Polo, you look at Newgarden, Dixon, Herta, um, you know, can can Penske bounce back? Could we see Will Power in there? You know, we've talked about Newgarden. Could we see, you know, Andretti uh, rebound? But I, I just feel like in terms of who is the favorite going in, it, it, it's Pato. For me. All right, we shift to the Indy 500. This is a bit more of a wild card because we obviously don't know Honda or Chevy who has the advantage at the Speedway. It kind of flip-flops back and forth, it seems, from year to year. Uh, but Honda's won, what, two straight. Chevy won in 2019 with Pagano, 2018 also with Power, 2017 Honda. So it seems like it'll shift back to Chevy, I guess is my prediction. And it's been a couple of years since Penske won one. And by a couple, I mean the last was in 2019. <laughs> so that's actually yeah. a long time. So my uh, pick for the Indy 500 is Joseph Newgarden. It just seems like we've been waiting for this to happen. And I think this is the year. Of course, I think I said that last year. <laughs> well, he's one of those picks that until he wins it, he's going to be your pick as long as he's in a situation that he is at Penske. Uh, and it's an easy pick. But then you and I, we echoed each other with Pazzo Award, and, and you had made your picks first. And I said, well, I'm not going Joseph Newgarden, so I'm going to go Graham Rahal. And I'm, I'm basing this almost entirely on the race last year, where Graham Rahal, a lot of people thought he was the guy to beat throughout the course of that race, and then you know ends up not finishing. And so I feel the capability of there to bounce back, I think you look at, at Honda being able to win a couple in a row. Hasn't won one yet. You know, where is, is this team going into the season? I think they can take a step forward. So Graham Ray Hall, my pick, That's the, again, that's based on really, we don't really know anything no. about the month of May right now. It's just no. speculation. I'm sure we'll have a different opinion of things once we head into the month of May. But if I have to pick right now, I'm going Graham Ray Hall. All right, we move on to Rookie of the Year. And this is where I think you look at the list of candidates and the, the obvious choice on the surface is Kirkwood, but because he's with Foyt, you don't trust yourself making that selection. So yeah. I went with Christian Lungard because I think he is in the best equipment plus also having shown the most talent and results. Uh, kind of, you know, Kirkwood obviously has the most talent and results coming in, but I think Lungard has the best situation as far as a really solid team. Yes, we had that one race as an example last year, the IMS road course, but he qualified in the fast six first time out. I mean, that that is some serious talent. And while he didn't finish in the top 10, I think he was like 12th. I think he'll have a, a really good season. And while the ovals may be a struggle, I think just how everything's set up, he'll have an opportunity. And we've talked for years, right, about the Ray Hall team needing to get their qualifying better. And having him last season <laughs> just for that one race seemed to be a real obvious boost for them. And I think him and Jack Harvey 
will help Graham Rahal a lot. Like you mentioned, you know, before qualifying is the only issue with that team. I, I mean, if they qualify better, they're going to win races. I think Christian Lungard, while I'm not expecting him to win a race, I think he will boost that team up, and I think he'll be rookie of the year. Well, you mentioned he's in the best equipment, the best position, but uh, I feel, you know, we're selling Andretti Autosport short despite their struggles. I'm going Devlin DeFrancesco. I feel like while Christian Lungard maybe has the best resume coming in, and he obviously impressed last year in his one appearance, I feel like in terms of a a setup in terms of the infrastructure around him and the sport. I feel like Devin, Devlin G D Francesco is that guy. If I'm punishing Kyle Kirkwood because of the lack of the above with AJ Foyt racing, I feel like I have to give D Francesco some credit being with Andretti Autosport. So I'm going to go Devlin D Francesco. I, I'm not saying Lungard is a bad pick, but you know, we got to keep it fresh here. We can't you know, agree on everything. So I'll go D Francesco. I also think, a lot of people are selling and undervaluing Di Francesco because in testing, it's not like he's been so far off the pace. Like we're not talking like he's, you know, a second, second and a half. I mean, he's right there in the, in the mix of things. And while we do not uh, support overvaluing testing times, especially at Sebring where they do not race at, I think what he has shown, there's no reason to think that he's going to be so far off the pace that he can't do anything. Like you said, best equipment. while. The, the fourth Andretti car has kind of been kind of an afterthought in years past. I think he brings so much funding. That team is well-funded that that's not going to be an issue. I mean, I don't think he'll be an afterthought. I think they've kind of done some organizational changes in the offseason because they've, they've noticed and realized they've had to do that. And so I, I think he is probably the, the most undervalued rookie going into this. Here's the problem that uh, that looms for... For Devlin for DeFrancesco. We talk about the talent and Indy Lights uh, and, and how much it is. But, you know, when you look at exactly after like first or second, it is tough to find a driver over the past five or six years that has not finished at the top one or two of the series and had success in IndyCar. And you're looking yeah. at Devlin DeFrancesco that finished, what, sixth last year? Yes. Fifth or sixth? So I challenge you to go through the last several years in Indy Lights and find me a driver that finished that deep in that series and has had some success in IndyCar. And it's very difficult. Um, you know, I start 2016, the championship champion was Ed Jones. You have Kyle Kaiser third, Santi Arutia second, you know, Zach Veach fourth, and then just a bunch of guys, you know, Dalton Kellett's way down there. Um, but we know what our feeling is for Dalton with Dalton Kellett and, and his pedigree to be in this series. You go to 2017 and it's Kyle Kaiser at the top. Colton Hurt is third. Uh, and then after that, it's not a lot of guys that were able to make it in IndyCar when they got a shot. Uh, when you go to 2018, it's very very similar. So you look at Pato Award and Colton Herta, 1-2. After that, not a lot. 2019, though, I'll give you this. David Malukas was sixth in 2019. Obviously, no season in 2020. And then in 2021, he was much more competitive and finished second in the standings behind Kirkwood. Gave Kirkwood a good run for his money down the stretch. And... You know, the, the plan was always for DeFrancesco to run one season in lights and then move up to, to the IndyCar team. But I think if he had that second season in lights, he would have been obviously much more competitive, probably could have challenged for wins, 
Right. Um, I mean, it's not like he was a complete scrub. He had two podiums to open the season yeah. last year. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I just, you know, the, the jury's still out on David Malukas, too. Um, great racing full-time with Coin. My thing is, is when you're deep in that Indy Lights field, uh, and deep means anything past basically third at this point, is the 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 track record for those drivers in IndyCar is not very good of late. And so I have a hard time buying into a driver that didn't win a championship in Indy Lights, wasn't close really, to come into IndyCar and do a good job. So why'd you pick DeFrancesco? <laughs> well, because I think he's got the best, best around car. him. Yeah, yeah, I think he's got the best outfit around him. So, and you can debate whether Rayal Letterman Lanigan or Andretti are, are in the better spot uh, at this point. But I feel like DeFrancesco can come in and do it. But you know, you're looking up and down. And you're saying, Malukas, does he have the pedigree in Indy Lights? Uh, you know, I don't know. You know, no, as my opinion, DeFrancesco, no. But you know, there's a you don't get a lot of time in Indy Lights. You get maybe two years, right before. Okay, we're going to replace you with the next hot shot driver, right? So you have max two years to prove yourself, and if you don't, you're 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 in trouble. But um, you know, as much as we say Indy Lights is a talent is is a hotbed for for talent, and it absolutely is. You better be one of the top drivers in Indy Lights to be able to succeed in IndyCar, at least in recent years. Next up on the preseason predictions, our next first time winner. This one, to me, was obvious. I think it could happen as soon as this weekend, and I was with uh, Romain Grosjean. Yeah, I agreed. Uh, when you looked up and down the field in terms of drivers that could win their first races, it begins and ends for me with Grosjean. So going over to Andretti Autosport, he gets to team with them. You know, as good as he did last year, uh, you know, reliability was an issue, problems back and forth. You're, you're not going to have as much of that at Andretti. At least you shouldn't. So I think he's in a great position, and... You know, does he win this weekend? I don't know about that, but I definitely feel like he's at the top of the podium at some point this year. Last year, we had four first-time winners. I don't think we're going to hit that number, but I think we'll. Uh, I think we'll get definitely two. Are you going Grosjean and McLaughlin? McLaughlin? Ooh, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, you know what? I could see three. I could see Grosjean, McLaughlin, and Harvey. I think we'll get two. Two out of those three. I would I would agree two out of three of those sounds safe. I don't think we'll have a rookie win. I just I I don't think that's in the cards for the season. No, I don't think you have a combination of ultra talented driver with a lot of open wheel experience with a really good team. Um, you're missing that combination. If you put Kirkwood at Andretti, I would consider yeah. picking Kirkwood. Right? Absolutely. I'm not p- picking Kirkwood at Foyt. All right, next on the list, race you're looking forward to the most that isn't called the Indy 500. This one's an easy choice for me, Iowa Speedway. I love IndyCar at Iowa, short track racing, double header, which I'm not thrilled about it not being under the lights, but this weekend has a, a lot of support, and I wish it success because I think this will, will be a cool event, and it's great to have Iowa back on the schedule. Well, I went a little di- bit different and uh, went with the return to San Air Super Speedway in 2023 <laughs> up in Quebec, um, Canada. No, I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I just, it's tough for me to lock down. 
I mean, I'm I'm excited, I guess, for Iowa. I'm a little apprehensive. I'm I'll, I'll be honest. I'm a little worried. It sounds great, but we've had a lot of races that sound great, and people didn't show up. So uh, I'm hoping it's a great weekend for Iowa and it's something that can continue. But you know, until that happens, I'll be a little worried. So I'm just overall just looking forward to the season and and really enjoying what should be a very ultra competitive campaign. All right, so we'll get to kind of some other quick predictions. Biggest surprise for you with a driver or team? Biggest surprise for a driver or team is what you're asking me. I will say, hmm, man, we're going positive or negative. I I will say, and I love our guy Mike Shank, but I don't think they're going to have as good a season as people are anticipating with Elio and Simon Pagino. I would agree. In fact, <laughs> that's my prediction for biggest disappointment. Oh, is, well, I didn't know that was going to be yeah, a, a yeah, category. Yeah. So uh, I agree with you that that's biggest surprise. I, I guess we'll do biggest surprise, positive, and positive, biggest disappointment. I think we're in agreement, obviously with Meyer Shank. I think there's a lot of talk and while it's a, it's a star, you know, pairing with Elio and Simon. Yeah. I'm not saying they're not going to win a race, but I think anything winning more than a race is a stretch. And I just, I don't think Elliot is going to be competitive outside of the ovals. I would agree. And I think that goes along with what we've seen out of Elio in recent memory is he wasn't competitive on the road and street courses, but in terms of positive surprise, I will say, uh, man, that's tough. I mean, I, you're looking across the board, and you know, I don't have any faith in in Foyt to be better. Uh, I I will say Hunko's Hollinger comes out and has a couple top fifties. I, I I think maybe at the end of the year we look back and say, for a first time team, first year team with a rookie driver, they did better than expected. I'm gonna say Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing gets their qualifying issues worked out. Okay. With the with the two new additions with Lungard and Harvey, and then obviously Graham Ray Hall still there. I'm gonna say they get their qualifying issues worked out this season. Let's hope so. Yeah. I mean, like you said, that's the only thing on to hold them back. Yeah. Um, let's see. What what else as far as preseason predictions go? We we talked about first time winners. Well, we talked I've, about surprise disappointment. I threw this out because everybody wants to talk about champion and yes. stuff. Who who is the lowest full time driver in the point standings come the end of the year? And you have to race all seventeen races. I'm saying I lot. And not because I don't think he's talented. He's clearly very talented. I just think it's a, a team that single car entry, they're not planning to run a second car for Indy, and they just they don't have the budget, they don't have the resources. And I think he's going to come in last, not because he's not talented or capable or, or worthy being in the series full time. I just, I think it's the situation. Well, you didn't like my pick. I told you what my pick was. Um, I'm going Jimmy Johnson and I'm not, I don't mean to rag on him. I, I'm, 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 I'm excited to see if he can make some headway, but I'm not going to be surprised if it doesn't happen. I think, you know, it sounds like a broken record. We talk about just how competitive this series is. It only gets stronger. It only gets tougher. And you're drinking from a fire hose trying to educate yourself on these cars and how they handle and the tracks. And now Jimmy's going to do the ovals. He's going to do every race. 
And I feel like while he's going to improve, there were a fair amount of races where he was so far off the pace that even decent improvement, he's still going to finish in the bottom three or four of the field. So my pick is going to be Jimmy Johnson. All right. So those are our preseason predictions. Um, Anything else that we're missing that's kind of a major sticking point we want to get to? I don't think so. I mean... the max amount of wins for one particular driver, if if we said it's 3.5, would you take over or under? <laughs> Last year, the most we saw was three, right? With Pelot and I think Newgarden also uh, got three. No, he won two, didn't he? Only two. Mid-Ohio, Portland? Mid-Ohio no, and Gateway. Yeah, You're I right. think those are so the two. So Pelot won the first race. He won Road America. He won Portland. Herda. That's who it yeah, was. Yeah, Colbert won three. Won Laguna Seca, Long Beach, and St. Pete. So Erickson won two, and everyone else won one after that. Um, yeah, I'm. you know what? Last year was a surprise for only three wins being the, the champion. I'm going to say over, okay. three and a half. All right. And last question, because we have to, we have to uh, keep it moving and balance out the, the optimistic and the pessimistic. <laughs> Which, if any race this season it will be the last event there on the schedule at least for the foreseeable future is there any event on the schedule that you say this is their swan song in 2022 toronto sadly well it's being buried on peacock so you know it's almost the writing is kind of on the wall for sure i I assume you agree yes yeah Uh, i I think texas would be my second. second choice i would agree there high second choice after that, it, it, everything seems pretty stable, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, I think you can throw around Portland and Laguna Seca. Like, neither of them do gangbusters in terms of, of gate. And, and Portland's still sitting there without a title sponsor. Like, you know, at this point, with everybody else on the schedule having a title sponsor, what's going on out there? And so, you know, I I, I could see those two races being in danger maybe going to next year, but... I feel like they're back, but yeah, as of right now, Toronto and Texas. All right. So that wraps up our uh, preseason predictions that are sure to go wrong. Um, I'll throw another one out there. I think Scott Dixon will finish outside the top four again, just uh, going after this. You did top three. (laughs) Yeah. Last year. I'm saying finishing outside the top four this year because last year, what he finished fourth. I think he takes another step back. Man. Dare I say he's not going to win a race this year. I, I, I'm i not willing to go that far. I'm not willing to go that far. Oh. But I'm saying he's going to be fifth or worse in the standings. The Iceman is going to flash you some double birds when he wins <laughs> a race this year. I mean, he's had a great run. Like he's, he's getting to the point where these younger guys are coming in and they're going to be the contenders year in, year out. Yeah, I say as Dixon won the title in 2020. Well, <laughs> if there's anybody that can bounce back from a quote-unquote disappointing season in which you only win one race and finish fourth in the standings, it would be Scott Dixon. That is true. Absolutely. True. And I think having the drive that is a teammate that is pushing you week in and week out throughout the entire season, something that Scott Dixon has not had for quite some time, maybe since Dario Franchitti, um, I think that's going to re-energize him as well. Well, I mean, you could argue two teammates. I mean, Erickson won two races. I get that they were True. weird circumstances, but a win's a win. Yeah. And he got two of them last year. 
Yeah. All right. Taking a quick look at the schedule for this weekend at St. Pete before we move forward in this one. Uh, first practice for IndyCar on Friday, February 25th, 340 to 425 Eastern. Uh, again, Peacock, Sirius XM, IndyCar Radio with coverage there. Then on Saturday, practice 2, 9 to 9.45 a.m. Eastern, Peacock, Sirius XM, IndyCar qualifications, 12.30 to 1.45 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. Same three outlets. It'll be a warm-up, 8.45 to 9.15. <laughs> this says 8.45 a.m. to 9.15 p.m. Whoa. On the IndyCar website. I think it's 9.15 a.m. Probably. Same three outlets. And then Sunday for race day. We'll have a TV window of 12 to 2.30. And NBC Telemundo, there are a handful of Telemundo races, uh, obviously also on Sirius XM and IndyCar Radio. 100 laps, 180 miles. And looking for an official green flag time, it looks like it is 12.25 p.m. Eastern time. Your favorite would be a 25-ish minute pre-race, so right up Caleb's alley. Yes, that is much preferred. The shorter, the better. All right, so that wraps up our IndyCar preseason predictions. IndyCar all caps preseason predictions. <laughs> it's never going to get old. No, it, it will not because we're here to defy everything, Justin. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> all right, taking a look at other news to get to on the week. I think the other big IndyCar-related story obviously has to do with Toyota. Not that this is a surprise, but uh, Jenna Fryer got confirmation. Jenna Fryer, the Associated Press. The Toyota car maker is closest, joining IndyCar as a third OEM. Roger's saying they have not said no or go away. I think what they are trying to do is see how it fits in their own total motorsports package. How about Jenna Fryer swooping in and getting that? Because the, the normal contingent of IndyCar media have had to speculate and dance around and yeah, it's Toyota because of this, this, this. Uh, can never get anything on record. And then Jenna comes in and gets it from Roger Penske himself. So uh, I, I thought it was um, pretty cool, Jenna Fryer, being able to come in and, and get that. And, you know, nothing shocking because that's what we've heard. But, you know, at the same time, until it's done, there's always the possibility that it doesn't. Yes, and, and with that, speaking of, Engine manufacturers, so from Marshall Brood of Racer.com, supplier challenges, huh? Supply chain issues impacting Toyota's 2023 hybrid testing plans. So they were set to test uh, in a couple weeks, but instead they've had to cancel the test that was planned after St. Pete that was scheduled for next weekend or, or next week at Sebring. Uh, however, that is not going to take place due to supply uh, component supply constraints. Early April visit to Barber will now likely be the first outing with the new engine. And if this keeps getting kicked down the road, you start to wonder, will they even have these engines ready for 2023? Could they push it to 2024 when, say, Toyota and whatever brand they come to IndyCar with, which it sounds very much a possibility. But I've seen team... Owners like basically comment saying, no, we want the new engines right away because it's more power and you want to have a leg up, right? Right. And, you know, that we've talked about the weight issues and that can be somewhat alleviated with new engines, right? More powerful engines, more HP. And I understand what the, the 
the teams are thinking, yeah, we want that as soon as possible. But if there are issues in supply, if you cannot uh, act, you know, extensively test this package and the engine and the curs unit and all that stuff, you can't unveil it if it's not ready. And so I think the longer that supply issues uh, cause issues, cause problems, then the more it makes sense to push it back to 24 and 24. I don't feel like that's going to happen at this point, but I wouldn't be surprised if things aren't alleviated that they make that move. Yeah, it it seems like if the timeline gets pushed back again, they're going to have no choice. I mean, if you don't have supply, you don't have supply. It's not like, you know, IndyCar's not doing its, its damnedest to take care of all this stuff. It's just, you know, the issues of around the world that everybody's dealing with. Yes, and you can't uh, you can't win against the supply chain. Supply You're chain's not always going to beat win. you. Yes. <laughs> All right, and then the third kind of major topic we want to get to before we move on to news and notes and more. Andretti F one everything broke. Uh, what was that last Friday? Mario Andretti. Yeah, Mario just dropping a random tweet. <laughs> yeah, Michael has applied to the FIA to field a new F one team starting in twenty twenty four. His entry Andretti Global. Has the resources and checks every box. He's awaiting the FIA's determination. So Mario dropped that on February 18th in the afternoon. And since then, it's been a frenzy with uh, news and articles and and everything with that. But I think the, the number one key thing is they have the funding for that $200 million entry fee. Um, they reportedly have an engine partner. They did not name it, but they have an engine partner lined up. And they seem to have all of the ducks in a row when it comes to what they're going to do. State-of-the-art facility in Indianapolis to build F1 cars, home base in England. Engine deal, again, that they didn't didn't divulge the engine. Also, Dan Towris, this is from Nathan Brown, the Indy Star, is president and CEO of Group 1001, which is the, uh, he says, president company. I think he means like parent company of GameBridge. Uh, partnering with Michael Andretti on Andretti Global personally, not on behalf of Group 1001 or GameBridge. So with all that, everything is set up for this team to move forward. Obviously needs FIA approval, and that's kind of where we're waiting at at the moment. And that's the big one. Like You can make all the preparations you want, but if the FIA says, eh, we're not interested in expanding right now, which is precisely what the FIA said earlier this week, then it doesn't matter. So... You know, Michael Andretti and Andretti Global can make all the preparations they need to, but if they don't get the approval of the FIA, it doesn't matter. Now, something that that we can throw in now, between now and whenever, could a team exit Formula One? Could a team put its assets up for sale? And that would make things easier for Andretti Global to come in and, and keep it at 10 teams, right? And, you know, recent developments, very recent developments, with America's F1 team, Haas, which just so happens to be financed by a Russian billionaire. Where does that money come from if it is included in sanctions placed on Russia for the invasion of Ukraine? We've already heard that for the third day of F1 testing, Haas cars will not have their traditional livery. They'll be racing white cars uh, without markings on it. So... And we know going back that Gene Haas has been vocal in saying, I'm not interested in being in Formula One if we're not competitive and I'm putting millions of dollars into it. 
if the financing dries up and Gene Haas has to pick up that slack and Haas remains, let's let's face it, a laughing stock on track in Formula One, then what's keeping Haas around? And maybe that's an opening for a real uh, American F1 team. Yeah, you know, I think this this whole thing and, and how the sanctions go and what impact they have on Haas, and we don't know that as we record here on February 24th, you know, they're already having to take your alkali, right? Is that the brand? Yeah. Uh, off the car, and it'll just have Haas signage. Which, you know, I don't know if it's a Haas decision. I don't know if it's a FIA decision. Uh, I mean, I don't know who made the decision. All we know right now is that it's not going to be on the car. Yes, at least for the last day of testing. But what, the F1 season opener is coming up here in a couple of weeks. What is it, March, March 20th? Yeah, yes. I think it's a good three weeks away. So... I'd be surprised to see that braining on the car. And also you start to wonder season openers in Australia, correct? Correct. So would Australia have sanctions against Russia as well? And would uh, Nikita Mazepin be able to travel to a lot of the races? You know, they may have True. to use their reserve driver, Pietro Fittipaldi, who raced an IndyCar a couple of years ago, handful of races. They may have to use him more and more throughout the season and then obviously you can get into, you know, will they cancel the the Russian Grand Prix? You know, all of these things. But like you said, this is another opportunity. It didn't work out with Alfa Romeo and that team. It was Sauber. But could this be the opportunity? Because Gene Haas simply can't afford to keep the team running without the sponsorship. And if that goes away due to the sanctions, I mean, I don't see how he can afford to keep the team. Well, I think he would stay engaged if Haas was more competitive this year. That's why I think the importance of the long-term stability of Haas F1 really uh, hinges on 2022. Because as we know, they basically cashed 2021 in. They put all or nearly all their their investments into the 2022 car and the new regulations that were coming. And we'll see if Haas can can make some headway in in this season. Now, if it can't, and those revenue streams dry up, then I think that's the uh, the perfect storm for Andretti Global to potentially swoop in and buy the assets of Haas F1. And that may be right now the easier way in to Formula One because the FIA doesn't seem responsive to adding an 11th team in the paddock. The teams themselves aren't really keen on sharing that $200 million an 11th slice they're sure as heck happy to get 20 million a piece at that point and you know total wolf comes out earlier this week and says you need to invest to be competitive straight out of the gate in formula one a billion dollars one billion with a b and we know that andretti global has hundreds of millions of dollars to invest but that's an astronomical amount of money to go from the ground up to being competitive within a couple years. Yeah, and while I think I could easily kind of connect the dots and find a way for them to get half a billion, the billion part seems a little out of reach. Yeah, one uh, you know, 500 million is one thing, a billion dollars is is quite the other. So, you know, people will say, you know, what does what does global events have to do with auto racing? Well, a lot. Uh, when we're talking Formula One and we're talking Andretti and Andretti Global. So I think it'll be a fascinating storyline to watch both on and off the track in Formula One and how it impacts Andretti Global. Obviously, this would be the F1 opportunity for Colton Herta. 
Not to say that there couldn't be another one, but this would be the easiest kind of chain to get to F1 if this team does materialize and get approval. You would have to fully expect Colton Herta is one of the two drivers. I would imagine so. And, you know, could we, you know, be looking at an IndyCar series within a year to two years where it doesn't have Colton Herta and it doesn't have Pato Award? I think it's very likely. Very likely a possibility if things keep trending the way that they do. All right. We'd love for you to interact with us. You can find us at NewTrackRecordPodcast.com. While you're there, sign up for our email list. Also, you can find us on social media, like us on Facebook, just search for New Track Record on Twitter. Our handle is IndyCar Podcast, and you can email us, Podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to join our IndyCar Fantasy League team, all you need to do is uh, message us your email address you want, and then we will get you signed up, and then you should be able to access the league via the email you gave us, correct, Justin? Yeah, it's straight out of 2008 how this thing works. <laughs> uh, that's just what we're, we're presented. It'd be a lot easier to be able to throw a live link out there on social media and say, hey, click here and sign up. No, we need your email. We need to send you an invite. It's a, truly a pain. It's the same exact thing that IndyCar had last year. We were hoping that it would make it easier for 2022. They have not, but despite that, we're up to close to about 30 entries right now. So... Good more, field. More than last year. Yes. Already. So far. So uh still a couple days to get in, you know, by you know, Sunday. Um, because I, I believe it's a similar format where you're just picking four drivers. So uh let us know your email, we'll get you an invite sent to you post haste. All right. And you can find us on your favorite podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts. If you follow us for free on there, do us a favor, give us a five star rating if you're really nice, write a review, Spotify, Google Podcasts or wherever you follow your podcasts, all for free. Okay, Justin, time for the mailbag. We have a ton, a ton to get to Let's go. this week. Um, not that it's any surprise, starting off with Poet Shevchenko. You mentioned any 500 hopeful entries are having difficulty getting chassis. I wonder if that could be because of all the changes to the back half of the car next year. Teams bought few, if any, spares for those parts, so don't have any parts to loan out. Well, I think, you know, supply chain issues. Yeah. Going back to that, I'm sure teams do not have the amount of spares that they otherwise would have, especially, you know, looking into 2023 and beyond. So I could definitely see that being a factor. Comments on uh, Mario Andretti's tweet regarding their application for an F1 team starting in 2024. This from according to Stitch. So you're saying they're going to be at international races. <laughs> yes, yes, very much so. Yes, they are. Uh, these two from Poet Shevchenko. First one, Marco hasn't made any announcements about full-time IndyCar in 2024. And then also, I still think the $200 million dilution fee is extortion. Hey, F1, you want new teams to be competitive about not taking almost two seasons worth the budget away from them? I don't think Formula One teams want new teams to be competitive. No, they, they don't. They don't want new teams, period. Because that means their share of money goes down. Goes down. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So they're perfectly content with 10 teams. And they're making it incredibly difficult for new teams to enter. Andretti Global isn't the only team in the last several years that has tried to break into Formula One. You you can see the last several years littered with teams that tried and weren't able to get in. And they had money, just like Andretti Global does. So it's not an easy way, any easy proposition to get into Formula One. Those 10 teams, you know, whether you like it or not, very protective of what they have. 
and they're not just going to let teams in and, and see that, that pie split any further than it is. All right. Elsewhere on the Defy Everything campaign. My, my one update of the year for the IndyCar app, <laughs> just for the loading screen. Yes. So you posed the question, did the series get it right with its five drivers on the loading screen? Who's in that should be out? Who's out that should be in? They have Herta, Pato, Palo, Newgarden, Elio, and uh, Poet Shevchenko says all those drivers got wins last year and have some degree of hype around them, so I think they are five out of five. Uh, N.K. Harden says got to have Palo since he's the reigning champ, although that is giving a nod to the series championship, which will trigger you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Herta and Pato are the clear rising stars. Elio is the four-time 500 champ. I think the only argument is Newgarden versus Dixon. I'm fine with either. Uh, Ramsey's underscore a underscore Perez on Twitter says I wouldn't take any out, but Dixon should have been added. Uh, our Cole says this is the five uh, I would use any 500 winner series champ and three top contenders. Hashtag defy everything. Scuba Steve 85. I think it's fair. The series champion is front and center two and three in the championship just behind him. Any 500 champ and the driver tied with below for most wins last year. I'd say find a way to work in Dixon, but if they're set on five, these are good choices. Indy Nathan says, yes, you can make the case for Dixon over Elio since he's been out of the series, but he also just won his fourth Indy 500. Bill Hessa says, unfortunately, Dixon is not on, but they are the right five, the top four in the series, and the man who can make history in May. I suspect as we get closer to the Indy 500, you will see a lot more of him. And Connor Clinkenbeard uh, sent uh, C. Clinken on Twitter, sent a meme and you know Michael Jordan sitting in the chair saying, and I took that personally, just <laughs> photoshopped Alexander Rossi's like yes. mugshot over it. And I'm like, that is perfect. <laughs> um, not a lot of people come into the defense of Alexander Rossi for being on no. that. I think Scott Dixon is maybe the lone big absence. But if you're going by Caleb Hatch, he's on the downswing. So why waste <laughs> your time even putting the Iceman on there? This from Zach C eight seven seven one looks good, but I'd add Santino Ferrucci coming in hot in the background. <laughs> I love that one. Driving while texting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good. That great. was a good tweet. Um, let's see. Then comments on the uh, Defy Everything uh, poll. How long will be used in IndyCar marketing? Thirty nine percent said through Indy. Twenty percent said through Wednesday. So yesterday, as we recorded this, eighteen percent said through St. Pete. I think I voted that. 23% through the entire season. A lot of comments here as well. Uh, this from Poet Shevchenko. Since IndyCar filmed the promo themselves instead of farming it out to a consultant, as in years past, I think they will remember their tagline for longer. <laughs> uh, Vicky so. Lynn 26 says, I laughed out loud when I read through Wednesday. I'd be surprised if it's mentioned at all after St. Pete. Again, that's my vote. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I could see maybe getting to Indy, but I don't even think it made it that far last year. No, I, like, I, I, I don't know what kind of activation they expect Is that like, are they just going to use the hashtag all year or, you know, just through Indy or whatever? Is it going to appear on broadcasts? I, I highly doubt it. I, like, I don't know what it's supposed to mean when you push it, push it, push it preseason. And then it goes away as soon as the season starts. I don't understand. Bring back Indy rivals. Yeah, bring back something that even even use defy everything. I'm fine with it, but use it throughout the entire year. I don't I don't necessarily agree with the the the, the you know the the program the plan, the, but the branding. Br- yeah, but just use it all the way through. I understand it just goes away. 
Uh, more comments on this. This from Jamin T14. The promo video this year is better than last year's. It's still not going to increase fan interest. According to Stitch, says, I defy to answer your poll. Hashtag defy everything. <laughs> Good one. Uh, Indie Oreo, John Oreovitz, said that campaign has already defied my attention and interest. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Bauer Racing, it's already been too long. So a lot of comments on this and... You know, maybe they'll just bring back uh, I Am Indy. I mean, they have I Am NASCAR. Yeah, they do. <laughs> you know, it was fascinating. We're not going to talk too much about Daytona because, you know, we got a lot to get to. But I put up the poll going into last weekend, you know, how much of the Daytona 500 were you going to watch? And we had the same amount. I think it was 39% or 29%. It was tied for the most votes was the entirety of the race and none of the race. And they tied. Yeah. Uh, nearly a tie. Said twenty nine percent yes, and entirety twenty eight percent said no. Okay, twenty six percent yes, but only some seventeen percent. Maybe I'll have it on. I watched some. I I took a nice nap, um, which is a great time in the middle of the I, race. I oh, this was early on, so this is stage uh, one. I got my stage one nap in. <laughs> I think a lot so of people get their stage one it, nap in. It, it was it was pretty good. It, it kept me entertained. I watched most of it. Um, and it got a decent rating for Daytona. So it whetted the appetite. And, and usually most years we get Daytona and then we got to wait for a while before we get IndyCar. Very nice that we get Daytona last week. And now we jump into St. Pete this weekend. More polls. So we, we gave you our predictions and we'll get to um, what people had to say on the polls we posted on Twitter. Picked one of the Indy 500. 9% said Elio. 14% Dixon. 24% Newgarden. 53% said other. Look, we only get four options on Twitter. <laughs> so uh, a lot of replies. Uh, Auto Sport Labs said Will Power with the with a video. Daniel SEM 2004 said, I have a feeling this is Graham Rahal's year to win it. So he agrees with you, Justin. Jeremy from HBG. As always, the answer is Mark Plord. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Poet Shevchenko says Sato, the only driver in the last 10 years to win the 500 more than once. DC Soda. Feels like either Herta or Award will make a really good run at it this year. Uh, Ramsey's underscore A underscore Perez. I'd like Award to take the 500. As handicap will be the Chevy engine, though. Yeah, who knows? That's always the question mark. Uh, Scuba Steve 85. I'm going to say Roman Grosjean. Channels his skill on the road course and his move to Andretti into a 500 win. Wow. Uh, Vicky Lynn 26. Elliot won back-to-back when he joined Penske in 2000, so my money is on him to do it again. I wouldn't be sad to see Newgarden get his first either. And then R. Cole says, it'd be cool to see Marco or Ed Carpenter win the race. Hashtag, is it May yet? Well, not yet. Not yet. But we're getting there. And then uh, P. Gaynor 14 said, Penske won both 500s in 2015. feel like it'll happen again with their other young shoe in the two. So, wow. Going Joe Oh, the two, yeah, Joseph yes, yeah, you're right. I'm getting I'm getting guys mixed up. <laughs> um, and then let's see. We have uh, Atlanta Cat 99 said for sheets and jibbles. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Kirkwood <laughs> just for fun. Uh, the funny MB Mark Baker says Carpenter. NK Harden says I'm gonna pick Dixon until he wins it again. Still maze that hasn't happened multiple times already. Yeah, especially in 2020 and then even last year. Last year he won the poll, seemed like it'd be his his race, and he disappeared. What in the the first first stint, 
right. when his race was over. He you know and Rossi. You know what's fascinating? And I watched the closing laps a couple of days ago from last year's 500, and I forgot that. So it was Felix Rosenquist on the back end of the lead lap, Pato Award leading in the closing laps. And Felix Rosenquist, I don't know if he could have made it to the end, but he had fresh tires, and he gets that speeding penalty when he went in to get the tires. So he had to do a drive through And for the one and a half, two laps in which Felix Rosenquist and Pato Award were together, and Pato was able to feed off that draft, he was pulling away from the rest of the field. When Felix Rosenquist had to pit and do his drive through penalty, that is when uh, Elio Castroneves was able to make up ground and eventually make the pass for the win. So that's something that I completely forgot about, and, and who knows if it if it would have been as big of an impact as I think it could have been. But if Felix Rosenquist is out there for the entirety of the final last two or three laps, and, and Pato's just be able to sit behind him and draft. You're talking uh, Pelot. Pelot, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah Alex Pelot. Then I don't know if Elio is able to catch him. And, and Elio just kind of waited the whole race. Like I was watching him and I'm thinking, he's just going to wait around, hover, you know, four, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. Right. Just kind of hover and then go for it at the end. And that's exactly what he did. He did. You know, but the, the opportunity did not ar- arise until Polo was forced to be in dirty air and Elio was able to close and get the pass. I'm just saying if, if Rosenquist is in front and he was he was fast enough that he didn't necessarily have to get out of the way on fresh tires, he could have been that guy to break the, the dirty air and put Polo in the draft. So I'm not sure if if. You know, what could have happened? I think, you know, I think there was a very good shot that Pelot could have won that race if Rosenquist didn't have that drive through. More Indy 500 picks. Bowling underscore Chad says, I'm taking Herta. Think he'll go on an impressive streak before he moves on to F1. Bill Hessa says, Pagino. A lot of people picking Pagino. Seen a lot of that. I'm uh, seeing a lot more people. Now, is that based on Pagino or Meyer Shank? Or the both? I think both. And having Elio as his teammate, so you just yeah. you have a lot of experience. You have a team that's obviously won it, and that's where you're at. Um, this from Zach C eight seven seven one said, "Screw it, I'm going Rossi. First win since Road America. He's gonna have to. He's gonna have to win another one day. <laughs> one day. Uh, I mean, he, yeah. Um, you know, the interesting article that came out from from Marshall Pruitt today talking about Penske and their fourth car is." You know, going into next year, would they be interested in adding a fourth? I think it is based on who is available. And one of those names that was thrown out there was Alexander Rossi. But is is he does he re, does he remain such a a sexy land if he goes another season without a win? I don't think so. Me neither. Okay, pick to win the IndyCar title. Thirty five percent said Herta, thirty percent Pato, nineteen percent Newgarden, sixteen percent other. Uh, Jonathan. Or or Lau's one says out of the options given, I think New Garden will have the best year, but I think we're going to see Dixon give us a stunning year as well as Ray Hall being really competitive. Overall, I'm just excited for the close racing of IndyCar to be back. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Uh, Hunter's Way 67. I'm pulling for either Rossi or Herta, but I think New Garden wins it. Uh, Sig Domer says Rosenquist. That'd be quite the turnaround. Uh, Daguerre says how can Pelot not be an option? Uh, well. Again, we only have four options, <laughs> and two, we haven't had a back-to-back winner since Dario 2010-2011, which he also won in 2009. So he won three straight, and what, four out of five? Because he won 2007. Yeah. 
as well. Uh, Autosport Lab said, "Will willpower will to take the power." <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> and then, obviously, predictions on who finishes last. So, people question this from Daniel SCM two thousand four. Does Calderon count? If not her, then Isla. Yeah. So Calderon doesn't count because she's not full. Correct. You have to race all seventeen races. N.K. Harden said it's going to be Dalton, two-time Kellett. Daguerre says Kellett last and last and always last. And then Lee Walk, 803-77986. Kellett, Ila is way too good, even if the car isn't up to par. I consider DeFrancesco, but the equipment will help him considerably. We'll see. I, I, you know, the beauty of it is we don't know, and it's not two or three guys in the conversation. It's potentially eight, nine, even ten. But I feel like the usual suspects over the course of 17 races will emerge and one of, you know, in my opinion, four or maybe five guys will be uh, a good championship pick by the end of the year. Speaking of uh, IndyCar drivers, well, former drivers, so Ryan Hunter A, Marco Andretti, Paul Tracy, sets around the full SRX schedule. with Which is six races again? Or yes. Do they, okay. Newgarden will run Nashville. Tony Kanaan will run five. Elia will run three. Ernie Francis Jr. to run twice. Scuba Steve 85 said, do they need Paul Tracy to fill the whiny man baby role? <laughs> <laughs> He's available. He's got some extra time. And then we talked last week about exclusive autosport, not entering Indy Lights. Rob Howden with a, a clarification in a conversation with Poet Shevchenko on Twitter says, clarification, car was completed in January. They haven't been able to test it yet as a result. Expect to see them on track mid-season. In the meantime, they have strong USF 2000 and Indy Pro 2000 programs for 2022. So, so, yeah, and we're at what? 14 entries for this weekend? Yes. Not counting exclusive autosport? Yes, and that would have made it 15 or 16. They were expected to run two cars. Gotcha. Yeah, so it's not bad. All right, betting odds. DraftKings betting lines available for St. Pete. Yeah, I've been looking at these for a couple days, waiting for them, and uh, I think a lot stands out. I don't know about to you. I, I feel like when you're looking at value for a winner and your series champion is at plus 800. Yeah. I think I like that. I like Grosjean as I well, like, plus 1,200. I mean, even Rossi at plus 1,500. Um, you know, Felix Rosenquist at a plus 2,500. Um, Simon plus 3,000. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of value here. And even when you look at podium, when you look at top three, you're telling me. At plus 700, I can get Graham Rahal to finish on the podium. Or Marcus Erickson at plus 700 to finish on the podium. Or Rosenquist. Um, you know, and you're looking deeper in there if you're looking for some value. I mean, Scott McLaughlin at plus 1,500 for a podium? Yeah, in fact, that's the, the first reply. 500 Indy 1911 uh, said, I'll put money on Rossi and McLaughlin with those odds. Atlanta Cat 99 said, ouch, poor Callum. Also, no Kirkwood. I mean, he's not even listed. Yeah. That's concerning. <laughs> That's kind of what they uh, what they think of Foyt, apparently. Yes. Uh, SRT Nick 12. I'll take that Rossi bet all day. Uh, Curtis Boggs. What stands out to me is that I apparently don't understand odds anymore. What happened to 3 to 1? So, 3 to 1 is plus 300. Correct. Basically what that means. Yes. yes. They've kind of changed the verbiage. And Daguerre says, Grosjean ahead of two-time race winner Erickson. What have they been drinking? <laughs> I don't know. Grosjean has a lot of hype going into this Here season. is one thing, though. Never doubt Vegas. I mean, even though we're looking here and go, you know, what, what's going on with this, that, or the other, Vegas always wins for a reason. 
but I think there is money to be made there. Yeah, I think the the Groshan one, that one sticks out to me quite a bit. I mean, yes, he hasn't won a race, but if there was a driver primed to win their first race, it'd be with him going to Andretti. They have a really strong street course program. So it just it seems like the all the ducks are lined up, the stars have aligned for him to have an opportunity to win this weekend. I feel when you're looking at value on race winners, I'm, I don't know if I'm there yet with Grosjean like you are, Caleb, but I look at Rossi at plus 1,500 and Graham Ray Hall at plus 2,500. And you could also get Renus VK at plus 2,500, speaking of that. So um, I think there's money to be made there, but I'm a coward, so I'm not going to put too much money on race winner. But in terms of a podium, I think there's there's definitely money to be made deeper in the field couple other mailbag notes to get to here before we wrap up and move on to news and notes. And the first thing on the IndyCar rookie picks, um, not a lot of comments here, but I think it's just pretty cut and dry on the poll for IndyCar rookie of the year. 6% said DeFrancesco, 30% Kirkwood, 48% Lungard, 16% Malukas. Daniel SCM 2004 said, what no love for Calderon? Seriously, Lungard will have likely have the best season. Lucas could get a window. Calderon, again, not doing the ovals. That's the only reason why she's not on that list. Yes, agreed. And then this from A. Saders. I expect nothing but one whole hour dedicated to this podcast, hashtag unprecedented times. And talking about Roger confirming Toyota is the OEM closest <laughs> to making a move for IndyCar. Yep. We we gave you five minutes. We did. Yeah, we did a solid five. Yes, I mean that's that's about all that it warranted, in my opinion. Yes. But nonetheless, we got to keep this thing moving, folks. Yeah, that wraps up the mailbag. All right, time for news and notes, and there is plenty to get to. First off, Miles Rowe. He'll drive for Paps Racing in USF 2000 in 2022. Full time ride is my understanding. So, yes, good news congratulations, there. Miles. Where Very he belongs, excited. moving yes. up the ladder and getting a full-time gig. And then this from Jenna Fryer, clarification on the SRX lineup. So Tony Kanon will do all but Stafford. Elio will do South Boston, Stafford, and Nashville. Ernie Francis Jr., Five Flags, South Boston, and Joseph will run Nashville. Again, Joseph running Nashville is a, a perfect fit. Um, George Steinbrenner IV will have a new role with the Yankees, so his sister Julia has joined as co-owner of Steinbrenner Racing, which is a co-entrant for Devlin DeFrancesco's number 29 car. We talk uh, Daytona 500. The ratings were strong. 8.87 million viewers. According to Indy Oreo, that's nearly double 2021 total. Uh, audience top 13 million as recently as 2015. Last year's Indy 500 for a comparison. 5.58 million. Uh, more from Adam Stern. Uh, it's up from the past two years down from 2019, which got a 5.3 rating, 9.170 million most recent race without a delay. Yeah. Back to back years for the five for Daytona that they were not able to have a quote unquote normal race 2019 and, or excuse me, 2020 and 2021 with the rain delays. So pretty solid number for, for Daytona. Good start. Now that's the benchmark that IndyCar needs to make sure they beat with with the uh, 500. You know, so lately Indy's been able to do that, but you know it was a long time that um, you know Daytona beat Indy. Well, Indy's not been able to beat Daytona, but they've been able to beat the Coke 600. 
But I thought I thought in the last couple of years they were able. Did you say uh, five and five point five last year? Yeah, Indy got. You know, last year's race got. I'm not sure what it got last year. I think it may have beat Daytona last year, but again, that's because of rain delays. Yeah. As far as in normal times, Indy 500 could beat the Coke 600. We'll see if they can beat. Well, it's Daytona. always tough. Memorial Day weekend yeah. versus February. It's really tough. Yeah. Some news in Indy Lights. In fact, quite a bit of news this week. New point system. It'll be similar to the one used in IndyCar. Win now worth 50 points. European viewers able to follow all Indy Lights races via IndyCar.com or the IndyCar app. Um, that's pretty cool there. Um, and then also IndyCar unveiled the international TV reach. I think it's like, what, 200 countries or something like that? Yeah, and finally getting into sub-Saharan Africa. Yes. Huge. I, I think the key is ESPN with Latin America of live coverage for Mexico and Brazil. I think that's the, the biggest change, obviously, for our friends in Canada, still with Sportsnet and still seems like a mess. But <laughs> it's expanding its reach overall, which can only be good. Also, Indy Lights, HMD Motorsports partners with Dale Coyne Racing for Indy Lights. That's uh, some exciting news there. Um, again, they're partnering with Dale Coyne on the IndyCar side with David Malukas. Um, they'll have their branding um, and and participate. It doesn't really get into how that partnership works. I don't know if it's... It seems to be me to be a... Um, Support. By convenience thing. Okay, we're just so happening to support this driver in IndyCar. Hey, could you help us in Indy Lights? And Dale Coyne's like, sure. I don't know if it's a concerted effort long term that Coyne's going to be invested in Indy Lights. I just think it's kind of like a, a marriage by convenience type thing here. Also, Mexican driver Manuel Suleiman will be with HMD Motorsports for 2022. That's not really a surprise, but he rounds out their lineup. And speaking of other lights announcements, uh, Antonio Cervalle. So he had his independent team last year. He's joined Able Motorsports for St. Pete. And then quick shout out to the Daytona 500 winner, Austin Sindrick, as he raced in USF 2000 on the road to Indy back in the day. Yeah, congratulations. I was I watched the uh, the post-race celebration, hoping that uh, I'd see Tim Sindrick there. Or at least him being mentioned, but uh, I never did see it. But congratulations to to Austin Sindrick, who made me some money last weekend and and raced a hell of a race. That's two years in a row for you. Yes, Michael McDowell last year in a long shot. Then Austin Sindrick; those were those were good odds for him. I think it was like plus sixteen hundred or something. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it was a good pick and it gave me some rooting interest at the end of the race, which is always good. All right, a couple other notes to get to. We have. Uh, this is from Trackside Online. So Adam Stern tweeted, IMS expecting a crowd in the 300,000 range for the Indy 500 this year. Trackside Online says, we've been told that ticket sales are really close to what they were through the 100th running in 2016. Act now if you plan to be back home again. So that's a good good signal there. Yeah, and I, I really enjoyed the, um, the expanded commercial that they put together that was uh, oh, very good. read by David Letterman and was, was really cool. Let's see this Andretti Autosport. They have Zapata official quantum computing provider of Andretti Autosport and also with Andretti Technologies. I don't know what any of this means, but it <laughs> looks really cool and sounds really cool. Yeah. Also, speaking of Andretti, Alpine or Alpine will consider providing technical support to Andretti Global if the team is successful in its effort to join the 2024 F1 field. I don't think that's a surprise. That seems like the 
most likely engine manufacturer that they'd align with there. Right, definitely. And then AutoNation will be a sponsor for F1 Miami. So you have GameBridge, now AutoNation, which these are Andretti partners. Uh, Red Bull is going to be a sponsor as well. They're not Andretti aligned, but these are some of the other names out there with that. And let's see. A couple more things to get to here. A couple of rule changes. Yellow flag rules, that will change. Also, uh, the, the blue flag, that will change, which is, I think, a big, big change as far as what lap cars will have to go around the first time by. Yeah, and they can disable the push to pass for those cars that are lapped, I thought I saw, which if it's two or more laps, that's fine. I just hope. I mean, I just hope they're not punishing guys that are only one lap down trying to hold on and then get the wave around type stuff and making them pull over or worse, disabling their push to pass. So other changes, drivers can choose their own pit stall locations for each weekend. That's a that's a big change. Also, uh, they they will not, like you said, they'll not get added boost to fight with leaders. On that push to pass deal, uh, yellow flag rules change on road and street courses. As far as the no longer required to slow down by fifteen percent when passing through a local yellow zone. Yeah, now have to reduce speed substantially. Yeah, um, and then I saw also that it was not in this Motorsport Week article, but I saw also that the uh, crew members will not be allowed to. Push the car out of the pit? Push the car out of it. Now, maybe they can push the car, but they just can't leave the pit box. Uh, that's kind of maybe how I okay. that's feel a change. like it is. So, you know, guys, when they stall, they'll run down there, you know, and just try to shove them, you know. Um, maybe that's not allowed. You can push out of the pit box. Just don't leave the box. All right. And let's see. Jimmy Johnson, that Reinventing the Wheel series. Which you said was pretty solid. Yeah. You watched the first episode? I did. I watched it. Uh, IndyCar and NBC tweeted out the other day. So that's presented by Carvana Racing. Pretty interesting series there. And let's see. Three key stats from Chad 200 for St. Pete. Power has nine poles, 268 laps led. No other driver has multiple poles. Elio finished top six in 10 of 12 starts. Dixon, Pagano, Rossi combined. 33 starts, 10 podiums, 16 top fives, 226 laps led. Zero wins. Ooh. Got to yeah. change at some point, right? One would think. Uh, and then uh, Roger Rager, member of the Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Indy 500 started in 1980, uh, passed away earlier this week, the age of 73. So uh, lost a, another Indy 500 uh, starter there. And then this from Indy Stats. Firestone GP, just the third IndyCar race since 1996 to be run in February. The other two, the inaugural race in St. Pete in 2003, won by Paul Tracy. And the other was Homestead Miami Speedway in 2004, won by Sam Hornish Jr. And with that, that? Yeah, with that, um, we have uh, tweets of the week real quick, and then your random split error driver of the week. So first, tweet of the week from Ryan Briscoe. Ryan underscore Briscoe. Another classic grid walk right there. That in reference to the Daytona 500. I don't know if you caught that. but What they, was it? Uh, they labeled Chase Briscoe as Ryan Briscoe oh, on really? the lower third. And then even 
also said Ryan Briscoe. I think Michael Waltrip called him Ryan Briscoe. Whoops. Which is pretty funny. <laughs> Didn't see that. And then this from Pato Award. Hotel Valet, are you here for the race? Me, yes. Hotel Valet, oh nice, my boss wants the aero driver to win. Pointing at my shirt. Me, OMG, I'm cheering for him too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, I don't know whether to laugh or just be like, yeah, I guess that's how clueless that that That, they are, the IndyCar drivers, unfortunately. That seems to happen quite a bit. Yeah. All right, we are ready for your random split aero driver of the week. All right, this week we're going back to cart, and as we were with... um, uh, the IRL last week, and we're going way back to the year 2001. And let me find him. I had him, and then I lost him. Uh, we're going to go with your favorite driver from 2001, Max Wilson. Who? With, uh, let me see, Arciero Blair Racing. Okay, Max I, I've, heard, I've heard of the team. Okay. So he was a guy that uh, he was in stock car Brazil race formula three and then was in champ car in 2001. And it was his one and only uh, season in American open wheel and race for Asiero Brook Brook racing that turned into Asiero Blair racing in the middle of the year. There's a story there that I'd like to know, Um, but raced almost the entire season had a fourth at Portland uh, finished 25th overall in points. Uh, that Portland fourth was his lone top 10 finish of the season. Um, then went into V8 supercars over several years. Uh, did uh, Stock Car Brazil races. Did Bathurst several times. Um, he won Stock Car Brazil in 2010. Yeah. Uh, so looking at Max Wilson, uh, he's actually from... West Germany, but has Brazilian parentage. So uh, he claimed Brazilian nationality when he was racing. Um, went to single seaters in 1993, uh, raced in Formula Ford in Brazil, went to Formula Chevy Championship, uh, finished second 1994 to Felipe Giafoni in that series. There's a name we know. Uh, got up to Formula 3, then went to Formula 3000, Formula 1. Uh, was offered a drive. Let's see. Um, he became a test driver for the Williams F1 team. At the end of 1999, he was offered a drive with the ailing Minardi team, but a lack of financial backing saw him lose the ride at the last minute to Gaston Mazzacani. Another guy I've never heard of. <laughs> uh, a less experienced but more financially solvent driver. He spent 2000 as an F1 driver for Michelin as the tire manufacturer prepared to re-enter Formula One competition. Uh, he was unable to secure a full-time Formula Ride one, ride for the 2001 season, so he hooked up with Asiero Blair Racing in the Champ Car World Series. So he did a one-and-done, but was very close to Formula One ride a couple times uh, and did the entire season, most of the entire season in 2001. Uh, didn't race. Doesn't look like he did the ovals, is what it looks like, and also didn't do Surfer's Paradise. So Yeah, Alex Barron was his teammate, who... Pretty familiar with yeah. that name. It's weird, though, because he did Nazareth, and then he didn't do Motegi, um, which is weird. And then, let's see, looking at the rest of the races, didn't do Michigan, didn't do Chicago, so I wouldn't think Motegi would be a high-speed oval if he did Nazareth, but I don't know. But um, had two different engines that year. Had the Phoenix IC 108, 
Phoenix. I didn't even know Phoenix developed an engine for. I for did not. <laughs> uh, so race the Phoenix engine in the start of 2001, and then switch to the Ford engine uh, later on in the season. But um, that was his one and only year in open wheel racing. Uh, was successful in Stock Car Brazil for several years, winning a championship in 2010. Um, but that's about it. As we look to uh, Max Wilson, uh, again, kind of maybe a random driver in cart that seemingly had a bigger career than you would initially think when you looked at him. Uh, got close to Formula One, but uh, still only 49 years old uh, and still with us. Um, you know, born in Hamburg, West Germany. Nationality wa- is Brazilian, and he is this week's random split era driver of the week, Mr. Max Wilson. All right, with that, we'll do a quick winner predictions for Sunday's Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg, presented by RP Funding, the IndyCar All Caps event this weekend. Uh, who is your uh, winner prediction? Well, if I'm going Pato Award to win the championship, and the last three winners of season opening races have won the championship, I have to go Pato Award to win at St. Pete this Sunday. All right. Wow. You know, I that's a good stat to th- throw out there. Yeah, you know, sometimes I come up with stuff that makes <laughs> sense somewhat. Uh, I'm going to go with Grosjean. I just, I think his time's going to come, and... He's got a good team. I think he's got a good opportunity here. I think he breaks through and gets his first career win. If Romain Grosjean, he doesn't have to win, but is in the conversation, and he is referred to as the Phoenix on the broadcast, and you have to take a shot every time the Phoenix is mentioned, will you make it to the end of the race? Uh, depends on how early he's in contention. <laughs> uh, that's terrifying to think about. <laughs> you rolled your eyes when I brought that up, so you you clearly stated your opinion on that, and and I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, time let, to move on. Yeah, time to move on. Um, but it would be great to see Roman Grosjean win this weekend. But I think, uh, much like you think, Caleb, I feel like he gets a win at some point this season. For Justin Kinney, I am Caleb Hatch. Thanks for joining us. On another edition of New Track Record Podcast next week, we'll be back to recap the seasoning opening race for IndyCar. Podcasts by Federated Media.